This podcast is by G. Wayne Miller for the Providence Journal. My name is Lindsay McKeever. I am a RN here for Lifespan. I am the emergency, the pediatric Hasbro Emergency Department um, Director, Nursing Director. How long have preparations been underway? So preparations have been underway just, you know, the tip of the iceberg started probably late December, early January, just kind of dusting off some of our disaster plans and just kind of thinking about how we would utilize space, which we do often just knowing that in emergency medicine that something like this could happen at any time. So we would start thinking that if, you know, if we were to get a large influx of patients with a particular diagnosis, such as coronavirus, we would start trying to cohort them in the same space in the emergency department. So we would designate one section of the emergency department just for the treatment of these types of patients. And then we would try to isolate our other patients who are not here for that to see, um, to see them in a different area of the So special precautions for this isolated area? Yep, so special precautions is that we would work on making sure that the air is negative pressure. So we would wanna kind of make it like a closed area where we would have the airflow going out. So that way we would not, um, when you have something that's droplet or airborne, you need to be in a room with negative pressure. So we would have to make an entire pod of our ED negative pressure, and we would make sure that the staff had all the necessary equipment like masks, their N95s that they're fit for. Um, we would make sure that they have a shield to go over their N95 masks. Um, we have gloves. We've actually just started using gloves that go up a little further on their arm, so there's no exposure with their wrists risks, not risks, um, and they also wear full a gown that goes halfway down their shin and ties around in the back. So, so th this equipment is already available? Already available, and yeah. And has that area been created? So we haven't had to go into using one section specifically for um, this type of patient because we haven't had a large influx of them. So how we are treating it how we're managing it right now is that we have rooms in the ED, we have four rooms in the ED that are negative pressure. So we have made a triage algorithm and we have all the ways you would get to the pediatric ED and what you would do upon arrival. So that way our triage nurse or our greeter right up front would know if this, once they come up to the window, they would say the first question all of our nurses or anyone who's greeting anyone is to ask, have you traveled recently outside of the country? And then we start with that. And if they say, yes, actually I have, then we try to narrow it down. And every day we put a new list of countries out at the triage desk. So the nurses are well aware of what countries are considered high risk at this time. So if they say, yes, actually I have traveled to China at that time, the the nurse will say, do you have any of the following symptoms or do you have any respiratory symptoms? And if the patient were to confirm, yes, I do. At that time, we, we have a location right at our triage that we would isolate them six feet away from all other patients. We would hand them a mask through our little plexiglass window. We've just revamped our triage and we've put up plexiglass around all areas that staff used to just be sitting right in the middle of the waiting room and had full exposure, but now we've put plexiglass up. So that way um, when families approach us, they're not right right face to face with them. They have the glass in between and we've done that for our family assistant and our security guard who are also out there. So everyone's protected by the plexiglass. 
you would slide your mask right through the little hole in the bottom and you would just direct the family to come right to the isolated area. Um, at that time, our greeter would call our charge nurse and say, we have a patient under investigation, possibly may have been exposed to the coronavirus. And at that time, the, um, the greeter would get the okay to go to one of the negative pressure rooms that would be prepared and ready to go, which we have a checklist to review to make sure that the room is all set. We don't have any additional supply in there because any supply that are in that room would end up getting tossed away after we have this particular patient in the room. So the, the nurse will come out and get the patient and they're wearing a regular mask and eye goggles and they are directing the patient into our negative pressure room. You haven't had to do that yet, um, or have you? We, we have practiced it, drilled it, and um, we have not had any patients that we've had to... Um, a, a live case. Yes, not, right. Not at this point. So go back just a little bit. This mm -hmm. is the kind of thing that you prepare for in mm -hmm. general. Anyway, it's not like this is the first time we've had a disease outbreak. Correct. So you're instituting procedures that were essentially already in place and perhaps enhancing some steps given the the nature of the coronavirus? Absolutely. So um, we really got good at this during the Ebola okay. situation. So in 2014, we really built up a lot of our policies and procedures. Um, this is different in the sense that um, this is not bodily fluids. We don't have to worry about, um, you know, some of the things we had to worry about with Ebola, but it was a great starting point and a refresher to staff to know, um, to go over some of these policies and procedures. So Christine, I'm assuming the same policies, procedures and whatnot are going to be implemented at Rhode Island Hustle, the, the bigger hospital. Correct, across the board for Lifespan, we've been coordinating on a system-wide basis. So while PD patients obviously might have different considerations like parents accompanying them, the, the whole scheme of things is similar across all lifespan entrances. Okay, so this is system-wide. Right, I actually did the education for the adult ED at the end of last week. So what are you hearing from frontline staff? And obviously we're talking nurses, but not only nurses, mm -hmm. we're talking doctors. and Right, uh, housekeeping, family assistance, yeah. there's a lot of um, a lot. mixed reviews. So because our nurses had some of this education um, from the, being a nurse during when Ebola came about, or even in school now, they are teaching about disaster management um, at the in, in college. So it's not brand new to nurses, but it's very different to talk about it and then actually have this happening in our community. So I would say I am very impressed by our nurses and their willingness to learn what the best thing to do is and how to care for these patients. Um, they have really stepped up to the plate on this, so I'm very proud of them for that. Um, but we all are nervous because there's not a ton of research to tell us about the coronavirus. So we're doing everything we should do for a patient who's on airborne precautions or droplet, but um, there's still a ton of questions about how long does it actually live on a surface and how 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 are we sure that N95 is enough and, and we don't need a capper or a papper to take care of ourselves. Um, so during huddles, we do huddles, um, Monday through Friday, 8 a.m., 4 and midnight, and that's our time to really sit down and get the entire staff together, and that includes everyone. We invite our physician colleagues to join us during this time, our housekeeping staff, our unit assistants come and ask the questions. Ask, like, if whatever you're nervous about today or worried if you were to come in contact, this is the opportunity to ask us these questions and let us help you answer them. Um, Three times a day. 
three times a day we do that. So it's almost like a team meeting. It's a team meeting. Yep. Three times a day we do that. Um, and on the weekends, we have um, assistant managers who are on call to answer any of these questions, or if need be, they need to come in to help assist with any of this process, they certainly would, but they're also available to answer any questions. Um, I think that um, just the cleaning of the room has been a little um, nerve-wracking, knowing what to do after a patient under investigation actually gets discharged or leaves. Um, how do we properly clean it? So I know that our housekeeping staff has, got some has gotten some education on how to properly clean the room. So I think that was a little area that we were a little nervous about, or our staff was a little nervous about at first. Like, how do we know it's safe to go in that room and what kind of products should we use to actually make sure that the area is clean? Obviously, you and Lifespan are in communication constantly with Department of Health, um, and they in turn with CDC and right. so forth. Yes. So our contact with the Department of Health is we have some point people in Lifespan who communicate with them frequently throughout the day, and then we all have a call at 12 o'clock, and we sit um, as Lifespan leadership, and we talk about what are some of the hot spots, what are some of the new things that we need to operationalize, and we have a meeting every day at noon to discuss that. Is there a sense of inevitability? I mean. Nicole Alexander Scott has essentially not said she has said that. Right. Is that shared here? That is shared here, definitely. We are not all preparing for the next steps of this to evolve. 